Hey everybody, hope you guys are having a great Christmas season, or Christmas season at the time of this recording. You might be listening to, to this after Christmas, but either way, I hope you're having a good week, and I hope this finds you well. I just wanted to share a few thoughts. This is our last few days in the office before Christmas break, and I was just processing a lot that I've gone through this year, that we've gone through as a church this year, and I just had a couple of thoughts that I wanted to leave you with. Um, since this coming Sunday is going to be a worship service, I'm not going to preach. So this is kind of my my final thoughts, I guess, recorded for 2022. And I have my voice back. So if you weren't here at church this past Sunday, I had no voice because I had some kind of sickness, but my voice is back, as you can tell. And so I just wanted to share some stuff. So I got a verse, two verses actually, that I want to read and then just just speak to for a minute. And I hope this helps you a lot. Uh, just just put a good ending on what 2022 has been for a lot of us. So this is actually in Proverbs. Um, this is chapter 9, and I want to read verses 9 and 10. Very familiar, but I just, just, just want to read it and kind of spark your curiosity. Verse 9 says this, Give instruction to the wise, and they will become wiser still. And that word instruction, um, in the Hebrew, it actually lacks in the word instruction. So it, it could say, give to the wise and they will become wiser still. But the implication is instruction um, or maybe even knowledge. So anyway, give instruction to the wise and they will become wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will gain in learning. Teach the righteous and they will gain in learning. Listen to this, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight, or some other translations say is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All right, so give instruction to the wise, they'll become wiser. Teach the righteous, they will gain in uh, learning. And then the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight or understanding. Uh, I, I went to a um, retreat at my uh, school that I'm doing my master's in, <coughs> excuse me, in Michigan back in October, and the entire retreat was lectures on this verse, uh, verse 10 in Proverbs 9, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's what the entire retreat was over. And so I heard, I believe it was four or five lectures, and they broke up the different portions of that. So somebody taught on the fear of the Lord, um, somebody taught on you know wisdom, somebody taught on knowledge of the Holy One, I, th I think, and um, and then somebody told on, I think, just bringing them all together. But either way, uh, it was really great, but I had never thought of this verse in a deeper way until this um, retreat. And so as I was thinking about it this morning, this verse popped back up in my spirit, and I began to think, we, we are, especially in the Bible Belt, especially in the South, we are so quick to hold the fear of the Lord in one hand and then knowledge or insight in the other hand, as if to say that they are against each other. So what we really believe about, let's just say this verse is, we kind of believe the fear of the Lord is the ending of wisdom. Like we think all we need is the fear of the Lord, and that is wisdom. And the fear of the Lord will lead us into deeper wisdom. But that's not what Solomon's saying, especially if you take the context of verse 9 as well. What Solomon is saying is, is the fear of the Lord is the spark, it's the beginning of wisdom. But then, if you back up to nine, there is instruction and there is teaching that comes in to grow 
that spark that came from the fear of the Lord into something that is greater, that makes you wiser, that makes you who are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, um, that makes you grow or gain learning, grow in or gain learning. And um, and so I was I was thinking this morning, we in generations past have have kind of had this idea that if we reach a certain set of beliefs, a certain doctrinal statement, or a certain you know statement of faith, or groups of beliefs, that becomes the box that every generation following has to fit within. And so as we've matured in the church, especially in America, we have found that a lot of the generations that came after these you know religious boxes were built, these, these boxes of belief, a lot of the generations that came after them uh, didn't fit in those boxes. It doesn't mean that they disagree with everything within the box, but there were some of the ideas about God or about church or about life or about creation that were pertinent to being in that box that later generations found themselves not necessarily on the same side of the fence on. And so when that happened, rather than there being this curiosity to break the box open and figure out what needs to be tweaked and what needs to be tightened up, there was there was this hardcore, hardline stance of you're either in the box or you're completely out. And so a lot of people have gotten, of course, completely out. So I was having a conversation with uh, Evan, the guys at our church uh, today at lunch. And we were talking about this and I said, you know, I see what the Lord is doing in the earth right now. We're a part of this, but we're not exclusive to it. But I see what the Lord is doing right now is not necessarily allowing us to create a box of beliefs. Instead, I see him allowing us to help lay a road of beliefs that is never-ending. And so the next generation, because if you think about a road, okay, a road has, uh, it has the white lines that you can cross over, right? So the dotted white lines that you can pass, you know, lanes and all that other stuff. And then it's got the yellow lines that you cannot pass over. And so it's, it's got these guides in place to keep you within a certain set of measurements or within a certain boundary. But at the end of the day, the freedom is given to the driver to go wherever they want to go within those boundaries, right? So I can't drive on the opposite side of the interstate because there are boundaries that have been put in place to keep me from driving in the wrong direction right? But if I'm on the right side of the road, as long as I stay within those yellow lines, I can pass lanes. I can swerve around cars. I can absolutely fly past cars that are going extremely slow in the left lane. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I can get off on whatever exit I feel like I want to get off on. I can stop whenever I need to use the restroom. I can stop whenever I get hungry and get my food. And I can drive and drive and drive and drive and drive for hours if I want to, because the boundaries that have been placed on the road have actually given me the freedom to go anywhere my mind would like me to go. And I think the church has really missed an opportunity to let that be the vision of what the church and the kingdom is. The vision of the church and the vision of the kingdom is we are laying a road that, yes, has boundaries— you know what I mean? That, that yes, has rules, it has regulations, it has all that stuff, 
But even the rules and the regulations and the boundaries are set in place for our imaginations to be free to explore and to be curious in ways that can only happen truly. We never think about this, but they can only happen if those predetermined boundaries and rules and regulations are in place. And so in that case, for example, the Bible is not something that holds us back from our imaginations. It's actually the thing that launches us into a freedom to explore our imaginations because we no longer have to question what the boundaries are. Those are in place. The rules are in place. The boundaries, you can go this far. You can't go past this. You got to go this direction. You have to go this speed. But where you want to go within that is completely up to you. I mean, and so that's what I see the Lord doing. And that's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Fear of the Lord, beginning of wisdom, knowledge of the Holy One, insight or understanding. The, the fear of the Lord is not you're afraid of the Lord. And I think almost everybody knows this at this point if you've been in church at all. Uh, it, it is not like, oh man, I'm terrified of the Lord. It is a, it's an awe. It's a reverence. It is a, it's a holiness. It's an understanding that this is something other than. It's that type of fear. It's kind of, it's the kind of fear that, um, if if somebody really, really important walked into the room, that feeling that you got on the inside of you that this is someone of reverence. Um, that that is what this fear is. Is is that. Um, and of course, it is on a grand, unreachable level by any human being because we're talking about God, the fear of the Lord. So, so there is a, a, an awe and a reverence, and that awe and reverence and understanding that this is other than, that is the spark that begins wisdom within us. Because so many people especially let me let me just let me just take a little side little side track right here cuz it's the end of the year is my thoughts this is we're in an advent season technically technically we're not in christmas season yet we're in advent season um christmas is december 25th advent is the days leading up to christmas um it's neither here nor there i mean it's i mean i guess it is really but advent simply means coming and so what we celebrated advent and i know a lot of people um, a, a lot of traditions don't even talk about. It. In fact, there's a lot of Christians that I've talked to, especially this year, that have n- never even heard of the term Advent. Um, but Advent is simply what we do to prepare for the coming of the Lord. It's just a it's it's an anticipation for the coming. And so we we kind of do it, uh, kill two birds with one stone in a sense where uh, during Advent you're celebrating or you're excuse me you're preparing for the coming of you know the baby Jesus. But then you're also, by preparing for that, you're also preparing for the second coming of Jesus. So it's it's a preparation for the coming of the Lord, um, whether it be looking backward or looking ahead. And I, I have found it, you know, after COVID, a lot of people have been so apathetic toward church. And it's not just us. I mean, it's, this is across the board. Um, people treat church like it is just absolutely worthless to them. They'll never say that, but... but um, talk is cheap. You know what I'm saying? Like talk is extremely cheap. You can say whatever you want, but what your life looks like, that is what's real. What you say is not real. Um, if if what you say lines up with what your life looks like, it is, but what your life looks like, that's what's real. And uh, so talk is cheap. People can say God is my number one all they want to, right? 
But when you start to look at how people spend their time, you'll quickly find out whether or not God is their quote unquote number one. Um, let, I mean, for example, yeah, you spend if you go to church every week. Let's say you go to church every single week for fifty two weeks out of the year. Every Sunday you go to church, and let's just say your church service is at mo- let's say it's two hours long. Okay, if your church service is two hours long, two hours long, which is about what ours is, give or take, and you go to church every Sunday the entire year. Every Sunday you go to church, and it's two hours long. Um, That means if you add up that time together, you would spend just around four days of the 365 days out of the year in church, right? Um, People spend at least, at least three to four times that, and I don't have the number in front of me, watching Netflix during the week. And um, I don't know what that number would be. It'd be 20, 30 days. But I'm, I'm sure I don't know what, what that would add up to. My point is, is that uh, committing to being a part of your local church is is <laughs> nothing. It is child. That's weak stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't even believe we're still dealing with this. But that that's, that is cheap, weak stuff. And I, what I've realized is, is a lot of, and I don't say that to, to make church week, I say that to say prioritizing church is, is an easy thing is what I'm trying to say. And, uh, and it has just been shocking, shocking to see how our culture, church culture, not the culture outside the church, within the church, um, in a season of Advent will allow themselves to get so busy. I mean, just think about this. And if, and if you're listening to this and this is like convicting and maybe this is you, don't be offended by this, but, but sometimes we just need to hear truth. Um, I, I just I would be curious as to the amount of people who say they belong to a church or say they are Christians um, did not at, by the end of December go to church at all during Advent. Like I, I would be I would be curious to know the number of those who call themselves Christians and say they're a part of a church. I wonder how many of those did not show up to church during Advent or Christmas. Because if I had to guess, I bet that number is pretty high. And, um, and if you then narrowed it down to those who maybe just went like one time during December, it would probably be the majority. And, um, and, and it's like, that's how we prepare for the coming of Christ, you know? And we wonder why our world is chaotic and our world is crazy. But we, we've transitioned. I was telling um, our other staff member this morning, Isaiah, that when I was a kid, I played football and I was pretty good at football in high school. And I remember we had practices. On our, our longest practice of the week was on Sundays, but which I could not go to because we had church on Sunday morning and we had church on Sunday night. And so this is how we live our life. Church is our top priority. If God is our number one, which I don't even think that's accurate to say, God is the only one and everything else should find its place within that one. Okay, but just to use the the cool language that people use now, God, my number one. Okay, if that's true, church has to also be right up there with it because um, God and the church are synonymous with each other. You that you don't separate those. Okay, so um, if that's the case, then when I was a kid, and we of course that's how we in my family lived, um, I couldn't go to practice. And the reason I couldn't go to practice, you know why, is because I had church on Wednesday nights. I had to leave practice after like 30 minutes because we had to go to church. And so I would uh, watch my parents do this all the time. They would go to these extracurricular activities or things going on in our lives, and they would say to those things, I can't do blank because I have church. Today, that narrative has, has shifted, 
And we so easily will say, I can't go to church because I have blank, but we will rarely, if ever, say, I can't do blank because I have church, right? Um, same with tithing. It, it Statistics shows that um, the more money you make, the less likely you are to tithe and the less consistent you are in tithing. So uh, statistically, the more blessed you are, the less you return that back to the Lord, who is the one, of course, who gave you the blessing of what you have. And so it's almost like it would be better for your soul for you to not be blessed than it would be for you to be blessed and begin to worship money rather than the Lord. And and but th- but this is kind of the this is just this 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 pandemic, if you want to use that language, that has kind of permeated our culture. And a lot of it, the reason I say all this, stems from there is no fear of the Lord. There is no fear of the Lord. If there was a fear of the Lord, then when I began to think about putting things in front of my worship of the Lord or my involvement with the bride of the Lord, which is the church, um, that that would strike a, a, a terror on the inside of me. And that is the fear part that is fear, right? But it would strike just this 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 fear on the inside of me that says, this is not right. You know what I'm saying? If I am following Jesus, but I neglect Jesus for everything else, by definition, I'm not following Jesus, you know? And um, and so this doesn't change the atonement. It doesn't change who's connected with the atonement, but it does. I think the Lord is, not just I think, I, I know that the Lord is calling us into what Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls, and I love this book. We're going to go over this a lot in January here at our church. Um, but this uh, costly, the cost of discipleship, costly grace. And um, I believe, isn't that what it's called? Yeah, the cost of discipleship. I had to look at it and make sure that was it. But, but he talks about costly grace in his book, the, the cost of discipleship. And that's the idea is that like this grace is given to us freely, but for us to live within it, it is costly. Like you have to lay down your life to find it. But just to be clear, in order to find it, you have to lay it down, which means the Lord might want to come into your life and reprioritize. The Lord might want to come into your life and say, I have given you everything that you have. And the response, the proper response from you is for you to give that back, right? He might come into your life and say, these are the things that are keeping you from being totally and completely reconciled back to me who has reconciled myself to you in the cross, and therefore, in my love, I need these to be laid down, right? And nine times out of ten, those things are extremely important things. And so I just, some of you, hopefully most of you are going to listen to this before, while we're at the tail end of Advent going into Christmas. And so this is a perfect season. How do we prepare for the coming of the Lord? It's by understanding that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? And so what we, what we have to do is we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to fear the Lord? What does it mean for me to live my life within the fear of the Lord? And, and just, again, fear is not being afraid, okay? Sometimes that might need to happen. Like, like I said earlier, if I'm going to prostitute myself to a party rather than time with the Lord um, or, or whatever, you know, fill in the blank, 
then then yeah, maybe a good healthy dose of fear is a good thing, right? Conviction, we might call it. But the the fear of the Lord is is an awe. It is a grasping of what am I apart? What has happened to me? And I understand that when you walk through circumstances, when you walk through really difficult things in life, it's easy for us to lay down this fear of the Lord because of disappointment. It's easy for us to lay down this fear of the Lord because uh, we don't understand why, right? But if you want wisdom as to why, or if you want wisdom as to how, or if you want wisdom as to how to heal, it starts with the fear of the Lord, right? The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so as for me and my family, for example, some practical things that we do is, number one, um, well, obviously I'm a pastor, so you know this is kind of built in, but even if I weren't, um, we are at church all the time. Um, we rest, we, but we love it. We want, I want my daughter to be exposed to church, to the presence, to the people of God. I want her to be exposed to that more than anything else that she is exposed to in her life, right? So that's number one. But our finances, number two, the fir- and I say this all the time, but this is true. The first thing we do with any dollar that we make, the first thing that we do is we give more than 10% to the church. And it's A, for my daughter to be able to see us doing that for her, you know, to set a legacy for her. But B, it's because we understand that we only have what we have because of the Lord. That's it. And so for us to remain under the open windows of heaven, we're going to continue as an act of worship, continue to give faithfully the first and best of what we have back to the Lord, knowing that he is faithful to bring an increase through that faithfulness. It is an act of worship, though. It's an act of thanksgiving. God, I thank you that we have a house, and we have a car, and we have an income, and we have food to eat. And here's one of the ways I'm going to thank you. I'm going to give back to you, right? So I just want to, I want to, ch- and there's so many other ways. Um, uh, re- praying with your family, reading with your family. But, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Therefore, you can also say it is impossible to be wise outside of the fear of the Lord. You cannot be wise and you cannot have understanding outside of the fear of the Lord. It starts with the fear and awe and wonder of the Lord. And so I just, whatever that looks like for you guys, amen, yes. But I want to encourage you in this, in this tail end of the Advent season, going into Christmas, As we prepare our hearts for the coming of the Lord, I want us to ask, what are the things that need to be realigned under the fear of the Lord? And when we do that, it will unlock not just a wisdom and an insight, but it will unlock a flowing of the kingdom that you and I were really made for that's going to make everything else that we have entertained outside of that look like absolute nothing. So, Father, I pray, whoever's listening to this, I pray that you would give them an encouragement. I pray that you would give them an anticipation. And God, I pray that you would give them, if needed, and myself too, a conviction 
to get back to what it means to be aligned in the fear of the Lord. We love you. Thank you for coming, and thank you that you are coming again in your name. Amen.